0: I just want Broad understanding to be able to capture the idea of the that. That's what we're doing this morning. We won't always take a whole chapter and a little bit more, but occasionally we will. But before we get started, let's start with the word of prayer. Lord help us this morning again as we hop into chapter three. I pray to open our eyes again to see this morning. that we've already begun to worship you with songs and be reminded of our desperate need of you. I pray this morning that we look at the miracle in chapter 3, in Peter's message, in light of the miracle that took place, I to pray we we'll touch our hearts. I pray we'll draw us close to you. and your mind again. You, the plan, the gospel, So in chapter 3, there's several main themes going on. we're going to try to identify all my believers, all three of them. We're going to try to identify all three of them as they work their for way through the story. But in order to do so, we need to write the overview. And the overview is done by reading the text. And so let's read the text and follow me. And I will read chapter 3 through the beginning of chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, I'm sorry, and a, yet, and a man laid from birth would be carried. Who they, had laid daily, who they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate. He asked alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up, arise up, and walk." And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power of piety we have made to walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. of you all. And now, brothers, I want, I'm sorry, I know that you want acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, for what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that His Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come for the presence of the Lord. That he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And they were speaking to the people, the priests, and the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees, sorry, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests, and the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming to Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them, and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, the number of the men, So, here, that's our text for today. There are several main themes that we're looking at in Acts chapter 3. So, I want to make sure we see them as clearly as possible. First of all, verses 1 through uh, 10, primarily the background, it's, it, or, or another way to put it is since we the football season, it's the color commentary. In other words, the color of the story is not the primary story. It's the color of the story. Or another way to put it, it is the it is the catalyst that brings us to the true story. We find 12 and following, or 11 and following. But we, we don't want to move off of one too quickly, though, because there's a couple of really important things we can pick up in here. First of all, you'll notice in verse 1 that Peter and John are on their way to the temple. It's called the hour of prayer. There are actually three hours of prayer. This one is the hour of prayer that we would call today around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So they're on their way up to the temple. So they're moving on their way up there. So you see that. In verse 2, as they're going to the temple, a, a man lame from birth. really important to see that he's lame from birth. Okay, It means he's born in the condition he's already in. He can't walk. There's something wrong with his legs. You can also debate what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. He can't walk. It doesn't matter. He's being carried, and, and the, the point is very clear here, who they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. That's alms of those who are in the temple. So this guy who has been lame since birth, and later on in chapter four, it says that he's over 40 years old. So for 40 years he's never walked. And for almost all of his life, what, is, what has he done? gets carried daily to the beautiful gate. And he sits there or lays there doing what? Begging, begging for alms, which is another word we're just saying, begging for pocket change. Peter and John are on their way to the temple. Seeing Peter and John, verse three, about to go into the temple. He asked to receive all, which ask with everybody else too. There's no indication here, in saying, seeing Peter and John, there's no indication in text. I would argue, that he recognizes Peter and John as Peter and John as Jesus. He just sees Peter and John as he's seeing everybody else coming to the temple. For what? Because it's one of the three times of prayer. And so there's a stream, a steady stream of people. At about nine o'clock in the morning, at about noon, and at about three in the afternoon, there are three city streams every day. He'd hear from all city streams of people that are going in to pray for what purpose? So he could get some spending money, so he could exist for the next day. This sound familiar, by the way? The blind guy, Great Jesus ministry, same idea. Now, I would say there's probably a a little bit more significance, and I think we're going to see it a little bit, there's probably a little more significance of of this this lame guy being at the temple every day, although he was there almost all his life. But there's a little bit more significance going on right now here. I think it's going to come to clear a little bit, or at least clear a little bit. A few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, from this day, Jesus went into the temple, as he did somewhat early. and when, when he went into the temple, he ran into some sick people, some physically infirm people, and what did Jesus do? He healed them. He healed them. And everybody saw it. So here's this guy who's been here daily for years, decades. He must have been there. But one of the things we know for certain is what? He wasn't one of the ones who were healed. He did not get healed. But he was there, although he may not have seen it, because most likely Jesus was inside the temple proper when he did the healing. But he had to have heard it. Everyone was talking about what Jesus did. He knew that Jesus healed other people. I think that's going to become very important for this. But seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Peter, and John, or Peter, verse 4, directed his gaze at him. This is not a passing glimpse. Peter, the idea is, Peter, as he walking up to the temple, stops get the idea right he stops and he turns and he looks at this lame guy on the side of the road John according to the text stops as well Peter directs his gaze at him as did John and Peter speaks and says look at us the statement that Peter is giving to this lame guy is, ignore everyone else. That's a pretty radical statement to make to a lame guy who's doing what? Begging for money from everyone that walks by. And Peter says, focus your gaze right here, look at us, gaze at us. Be with me exclusively in John, focus here. Verse 5, this lame guy. What? And he fixed his attention upon them. But his focus upon them was for what? To get money. You see it right there. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Implication: he's expecting to get money from them. But Peter. Opens his mouth and he says to them. Now they got they got his attention. He's focused on them. And Peter's first statement is, "I have no silver or gold." Now, if you were, a, excuse me, a blind guy or a lame guy, dependent upon any pocket change anybody could give you, and the first statement of a person just said, "Look at us," and you're focused on them, and their first statement is. We don't have any silver, we don't have any gold. What, how are you respond to that? You're just going to move along. I'm focusing on other people, right? Get out of here. I just want to get find some other people then. If i got to depend on what I get today, right? That's not what happens here. Peter's next statement after he says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. You think that's going to get his attention? in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now that's an intriguing declaration by Peter. There's no indication in the text that he got some sort of special revelation from God that this is the guy he's going to heal. Nothing in the text says that. The Spirit could have told him that. Maybe not. I don't know. Because the scriptures are silent. But Peter unequivocally declares this lame guy. But what I do have, I give to you. What does he have? He has Jesus. Don't miss it. He has Jesus. He doesn't have the power to heal. That's God's thing, right? All he has is Jesus. He is giving him, in effect, Jesus, when he says, rise up, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Peter is not a faith healer. What he has is Jesus. What he has is the gospel. It says to this lame man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Simple. Simple. Is it risky? Is it? I mean, remember where Peter came from. <laughs> is it risky? Yes! I mean, the, 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 the road going up to the temple is jammed, and people are hearing him say this. this. This is not private. This is not a private conversation. This is risky, friends. What I have, I give to you? I expect Peter's not whispering. There's clamor on the street. did I know that, by the way? We've all been psalms. We know there are some psalms that are called psalms of, If remember? Ascent. What were those psalms for? To sing as you're going up to the temple. What do you think's going on as you're walking up to the temple? there's singing going on there's talking going on there's probably a lot of un-God focused conversations well Peter speaks most likely pretty loudly to be able to be heard over the din of the music and the conversations I don't or we don't have any silver and gold but what we have we give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth Rise up and walk. And you know how I know also that they said it pretty loudly everybody saw what happened and they connected with it to Peter and John. They didn't just connect with this guy who danced later on. They connected it to Peter and John. So he declares, rise up and walk. And then what does Peter do next? He took this lame man by the right hand and did what? It raised him up, correct? But I want you to note what it says next: it raised him up, and immediately his feet and hands and ankles were made full they were strong. Verse eight: and leaping up, you hear it? And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. Let's just stop right there for a second. What's going on here? This is intriguing. I think we need to unpack it a little bit more in here, especially light of what. But it's going to be declared by Peter and his message. We'll get there in just a second. We've got to stop on this for a second and just say, you're now a lame person. Okay? And these people you don't know, maybe you don't, maybe you don't. It doesn't seem like, like there's any real knowledge there. Walks up to you and says, I don't have any silver and gold. What I, give to you, what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And then the guy reaches out his hand to you to pull you up. What'd you think? He's insane. I've not got a day in my life. Now, you do hear Jesus of Nazareth, right? Which caused this lame man to remember what? We just talked about it. But Jesus did a short time earlier. Then he heard about it. And I suspect he probably saw the previously infirm People coming back out of the temple and streaming by him, rejoicing and speaking about Jesus of Nazareth. So Peter reaches out his hand, his hands his his ankles his feet, healed. But he did what? He reached out. Of him. And reaching out and taking his hand, Peter pulled, and he what? He leaped there's up. No, there's no indication, no even inkling for this lame man, we change that, this previously lame man, he tested his feet. There's no indication here, is there, that he was very tentative in getting up. There was no indication of fear, was there? Is there any indication in the text of theology? galaxy? None, is there? No, quite the contrary. He readily reaches out his hand and readily leaps out of his Pretty stunning, isn't it? You know why he responded that way? Well, here's tells us a little bit. We'll see if we can just a few seconds. Um, Here, uh, um, tells us he believed isn't it he believed in Jesus. He had faith in Jesus of Nazareth. Now, we'll see it. Again, I'll talk about it the future. we we'll get to the in the Peter's the, message. But it seems to me that he must have already believed in Jesus of Nazareth. Most likely because of what happened before. And he probably saw Jesus as he's saying over and over and over again. Maybe he could we don't know. We don't know the backstory, do we? Except we know this game called Peter Wolf there every day. But I would argue that what we're seeing here, that he is healed by Peter. <clears throat> He's healed by his faith in Jesus of Nazareth. He leaps up why? Because if Jesus of Nazareth is healing him, he is, therefore. He's healed now, this moment, and he leaps up, and he follows him into him. Now, I want to pause this for a second. Because, on one level, the story is absolutely true as it stands, isn't it? It absolutely is. The facts of the story, the physicality of the story, is true as it stands. No exception at all. I believe that Peter walked up to him, says what he says to him, reaches out his right hand, he jumped up and he was healed. I believe all of that. Absolutely true. At the same time, I would present to you, we get all enthralled with the wrong thing. Sorry. I remember growing up as a kid, hearing about the story, over and over, over, in Sunday school and BBS and everywhere else. Being enthralled with this guy Healed. Like this. I would present you that at the same time, if there's a challenge or if there's a there's a point to his healing. There's a dramatic point to his healing. And this is one of the big teachings I've in this past. his faith had an effect didn't it? didn't his faith have an effect? the result of his faith is that he was healed, right? was that not dramatic? was it life altering? absolutely it was his faith that he had in Christ had an effect, didn't it? beyond that what was his response afterwards? I've only touched on it. He did what? After he, after, he, after he leaped up. Of course, he leaped up, right? That's another effect, isn't it? In other words, the faith that he had in Christ demonstrated itself, didn't it? Right? Was it not a demonstration? He didn't just, ooh, I'm healed. I've never a job now. Is that what we hear here? No, it had a dramatic effect. He leaped up, and then it goes on and says, "What? He he entered the temple doing what? Praising God. You hear that? Had a fact. Now let me just stop for a second. We see all that there, don't we? Which is harder? To forgive your sins. Or it's a say, rise up and walk. Ah, Jesus answered that question, didn't he? And the answer is, the harder one is what? Forgive sins? Right? Jesus said, rise up and walk and heal, Jesus said. What's the point of that? Well, the point is really, I think, really important. See, I would argue the healing of this lame man it really serves a picture of what the, the ramifications of being a person of faith what happens here's what's really strange today I guarantee you that if there was somebody that was outside the door here and we see him every Sunday coming to church and we walk in, he's laying there lame, asking for money. And one Sunday we're all coming in all the same time for some reason, They were all coming up the stairs at the exact same time, and I walked up to him and said, Hey, I need your focus right here. And he looks at me and says, I say, Hey, I have an silver, and gold. What I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk, and I give him my right hand. He takes my right hand, and I bring him up, and he's like, And he follows me into worship here and he's just praising God out of control. not responding like this. Or when we see someone say, why is he not rejoicing like this? What does he hear? hear? Is this not just a picture? If God can do this, he does a greater thing, Right? He does the greater thing for giving sins in our confession today. Thank you very much, Ken. In our confession today, we talk about forgiveness of sins. We're confessing our sins. But we know the scriptures tell us his faith plan just to forgive us our sins and what? Cleans us from all unrighteousness. righteousness. Is that not worthy of waking up and joy? It's unlevel. Does that not excite us and move us? Why doesn't it? And that should thrill us. Should not? Should that not bring us to leap up, as it were, with joy and respond by what? Crazy God. It, in the text, this is not like praise God. is it this is extreme isn't it this guy is rejoicing over healing of his feet I want to remind you he's over 40 years old and that day he didn't have a whole lot longer to live 30 years in a little bit you know what's going to happen to his feet again Probably be lame doesn't happen when you get old. Does it? That happens. <laughs> Friends, the Lord forgiveness sins. It removed as far from the rest, It nevermore will be helpful.
1: Which freaking?
0: Which greener? Think about it. <laughs> Is the greater thing? Rise up and walk? First, the greater thing is you're forgiven because you never know. Seven all the things. He suggests how we conduct them. We don't realize the value of the importance. The stunning mercy of God that when we confess our sins, we thank We don't, oh,
1: we don't remind ourselves that today, September 15th at 10.48am, I'm on the The <says>, <laughs> Our worship would be
0: significant and powerful and overlooking. And the ever did I would realize that this. That's the thing to Verse 8 again. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered, entered the temple with them. Walking and leaping. So it's ongoing, isn't it? There's an ongoing praise. This is going on and on and on and on. Praise God. Verse 9. That all the people saw him. Last point I want to make about this section, I believe. It says that all the people saw him walking and praise God and recognized him as the one who sat the in the temple. me for all who never know what and, and making what Last thing I want to point out in verse 1, you get this, it was evident, evident. how was it evident? It was transformed, physically. Now he's clearly going through a transformation spiritually as well, wasn't he? He couldn't leap for joy with the Lord before, but now, by faith, he is leaping for joy. The things I am very troubled by, that we call ourselves Christians, again playing off of the physicality of the of the uh, lame man who's healed. As Christians, we have been healed from the most grotesque, fatal disease we could possibly be healed from. Correct? There's no worse disease, is there? I don't care what disease. Badly Go verse one. It's only our sins. Only. Here's this guy. He's healed feet, ankles, leaping, praising God, and all the people in the temple saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized who he was. Past tense, right? Right? they recognized who he was. <laughs> the implication being
1: you recognize things, And you're filled with wonder and amazement. <clears throat> Can I just pause for a second before you go out for a minute and ask a question? Why is it?
0: I want you to be really personal. I'm being really personal with myself as well. It's a very beautiful question. ever been The greatest of we dealt with the protest, the most protestant evil of all the Did we ever that? Next question. Do people even know Do people even know If you want to, how many times I've met people who know who are neighbors with other people who have been members and are members of this church who didn't even know that they are churchgoers, let alone Christians? How is it possible? How is it possible that people you're working, neighbors? Your coworkers. <clears throat> you really don't even know. And it's really easy. Well, I guess I have never told them about it. That's not the answer. It really isn't. That's only a secondary answer. The primary answer is really exactly what you see here. The transformation was clear. Now, certainly words were were. We're there too. That's equally important. He's praising God. But why is it? I mean, how is it possible that we can be saved and nobody knows? I submit to you the reason why that could possibly be the case that we're not leaving? We're not praising God. For what? For Jesus of Nazareth and the miracle He's performed, or, and why are we not leaping and praising God? Well, maybe it's because we wrong. Why are we wrong? Maybe it's because we really don't think the miracles is that great in miracle. Why do we not think the miracle is that great a miracle? Maybe it's because we really don't think the miracle, really miracle, miracle worked. I know a harsh statements, but I don't know what else to do with it. I know it's painful statements, but I don't know what else to do with that. And ultimately, maybe, maybe the miracle didn't take place. I'm choosing the word maybe I put the maybe in there every time. Maybe the miracle didn't take place. Because one of the things you see in the scriptures over and over again is when someone really gets saved, what happens? They find themselves, what's that? Transformed and transforming, and more specifically, they find themselves leaping, as it were, aren't they? And praising God. And does that not continue in the scriptures? Doesn't it? It continues. As a matter of fact, I would argue the argument of the scriptures is not just that it continues whimperingly, but it even accelerates. Now there's exhortations in the scripture and exhorting people to do what? Continue on, continue on, continue on, right? But it's always continue on with what's going on. What's already happening. With those who it's not happening, the call is to repent and believe every time. So, it's an interesting, in verse 1-10 we have this interesting study of this lame man, formerly a lame man, who is now made whole, and his response, and asking ourselves, well, if the greater miracle is not the healing of the lame man, but the healing of sin, why is that respond to the challenge? It's a challenge. It's all those whys. Why is it not there? What's going on? Really important questions that we don't want to examine. That we don't want to think about. That we don't want to, because the conviction, if it's real, and the spiritual part our life is going to be really, but that was amazing. Shall we turn? That brings us to verse 11. While well, unto Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them the portico. That is all three. The portico called Solomon's, on the east side of the of the temple proper. Most likely, by the way, Peter will be the first time this forward reading back to the temple. Now, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, there was all these people gathering. He addressed the people. Second message. Right? Where he got his first one, the day of Pentecost. Now it's a little bit later, maybe even just the next day later, we don't know. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people who he got up to preach. By the way, just to aside, I don't think there's any Any other response what Peter does here is quite you number Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? We've got going on. Why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we made him walk? What's Peter saying? You're showing that you still don't believe you still don't get it. You're looking at us like we are somebody great. You totally missed the point. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, now he goes right into the gospel. Because he knows that's what they need. The solution is not for healing of lame people. The solution is not to sit there and be quiet as people he praises on them. The solution for Peter and John is these people need one thing and one thing only, right? All they need. is, By the way, again, just stop for a moment. This is just like a, a momentary stop on this train ride. For Peter and John, all these people need are the gospel. That's all they need. Something. But again, submit to you, that is do we, for example, do we have a social uh, mandate in the scriptures to care for the poor and all the rest? Absolutely. Do we have a social mandate of the scriptures to be concerned about injustice? Absolutely. No question. But for what purpose in all that and more? For what purpose? Gospel, which brings God's glory. There is no other way to bring God's glory but the gospel. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Is all gospel-driven and dripping. So Peter does what only is appropriate. What only is appropriate. Verse thirteen. In uh, yeah, verse thirteen, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. Now what is Peter doing? He's reminding them and or introducing them to Jesus in the history of the Old Testament. He glorified his servant Jesus and then he does what next? Listen whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. That is gospel. The gospel is not gospel without condemnation. Gospel is not gospel without hopelessness. Gospel is not gospel without destruction. of Who they are who the Receiver is at the moment. It never is. In most gospels today, everything it
1: can to avoid to destroying a person. Hopelessness must come before hope comes. If there is
0: no hopelessness, there is no hope. And so the first thing that Peter does Bring a clear, resounding focus. Hear it again: the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus. What did you say? The God you say you worship glorified Jesus, and you who say you you love God the Father took the son that he glorified, and you did what? You crucified him. This, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over, and the idea is the crucifixion, and denied in the presence of of Pilate when uh, when he decided to release him. They denied Jesus completely. Verse 14, but you denied, he brings it back again, this is the second time he used the word denied. You denied the Holy and Righteous One. I mean, talk about piling on, friends. Is he not piling on at this point? I mean, he is absolutely piling on now. Piling the guilt, the hopelessness. God the Father, who you say you worship, he glorified the Son. You denied him and turned him over. They got so far, but you denied the holy and righteous one, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. So you swapped out the one that God glorified because you'd rather have a what murderer? And by the way, let me just say this as an aside: you think that's absolutely insane. That's what like every single person who rejects the gospel doing the same is the ultimate murderer. Around is just and ask for a murderer to be granted to you. Notice the connection between the end of verse 14 and 15. You ask for a murderer to be granted to you and you kill the what? The antithesis of a murderer. Did you? You killed the author of life. You took a murderer rather than the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. Uh, you took you took the murderer and you gave up the author of life for death, crucifixion, but. The one you say you love, the one you say you're a dear, the God of Father, did what? He raised him up from the dead. He continues in verse 15. To this we are witnesses, referencing the history. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of of you all, so now he brings it all back to the lame man again, correct? And the idea that 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 something dramatic happened to this lame man. Why did it happen to this lame man? Some people have argued that the faith he's talking about here in Jesus or through Jesus is referencing Peter and John's faith. Other people have argued, no, it's the lame man's faith. And I would say, no, it's no. both. Clearly, the lame man had faith. We just talked about it. The evidence of his faith is clear in the text. But we also see the evidence very clearly of the faith of Peter and John, do we not? I mean, even in this little storyline, what do you see? You see, Peter said, In the name of Jesus, we'll give you what we have. We have Jesus. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they reach out to bring him up to walk. That sounds like faith to me, doesn't it? Based on what Jesus told them, they would be able to do. No, we don't have that promise. This is a sign, called a sign gift, but it ceased. But they had that and faith in Jesus. The promise would be able to speak that, it would happen. Did they? And we know that Peter and faith didn't, don't we? What happened in chapter two? The guy who powered with the slave girl gets up and preaches Christ and crucified. The people who probably didn't kill him. They didn't. They repented. They didn't know. And then, here, in the temple, talk about, talk about a place where everybody in the temple, for the most part, is anti, at this point in time, anti Christian. He steps up to these people who are absolutely clueless. and says to them, John next to him, the layman next to him, the previously layman next to him, says, What a beautiful picture of him. And by the way, it's it's the, it's something that we accepted. For John, that, for Peter not to say something would be an evidence of what? Faith? No faith. But somehow we think, if I may just. Work with this for a second. Oh, we think that we have these opportunities to come by us every day, tell the gospel, and we don't say anything, we don't say anything, we don't say anything, we say very comfortably, oh, yes, I'm a person of faith. Wait, what? Really? It's faith that's causing all this, and that faith is from God. It's faith in Christ is transformed and transforming them so that they are what? Yes, yes, absolutely. The faith is from God, it's through Christ, absolutely. It's not something they conjured up, it's something that is from the fact that a lot of Christians, again, okay. this is brought up now, besides this message, but an important one. A lot of Christians think that, that they—it's their faith. That they somehow have created that. That's not the case in Scripture. This is from God. God has given them faith. It's by grace through faith. That faith comes via grace. God's grace. So, moving on. He says, verse 16 again, by faith, by faith in his name, made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man uh, this perfect health in the presence of you all. So the evidence is really clear that that, that uh, what uh, Peter's saying about Jesus is true. Verse 17, and now brothers, and when he says brothers here, he's not talking about that believers, Brothers brother as in fellow Jews. And now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers. Interesting statement, isn't it? acted in ignorance. No, it shouldn't be because it shows up repeatedly in the Scriptures. How me we want to say about this? You acted in ignorance, referring back to the crucifixion and the rejection of Jesus. You acted in ignorance. Ignorance doesn't mean you get a pass. Even in our legal society, what is, what is the phrase? Ignorance is no excuse, right? No excuse. You break the law, you break the law. Ignorance is no excuse. If I may use this as an illustration, I was in a Dr. Finer's office uh, about a year and a half ago and I had a hearing test done. And the hearing test showed that my right ear at high pitches is essentially deaf. I didn't know it until he said, I knew I had a problem. I didn't know it until he sat down no. next to me the first where he said, Let's talk about hearing aids. I like, Oh, I said, What about that? He said, Yeah, pretty bad. And uh, he said, Any idea of how you could have lost your hearing in your right ear? I said, I go to the I lost my hearing in right ear. He said, How? Oh. I said, I'm left handed and I grew you know, up shooting guns all the time. And I didn't know anything about hearing aids. He looked at me and said, What do you mean you didn't know anything about hearing aids? Everyone said, I didn't know anything about hearing aids. And then, nobody's going to hear anything You know, and I hear you hair protection, sorry. And, and I said, I didn't know. I didn't know. He didn't believe me. You don't me. He didn't believe me. But I really didn't know. And the reason why my right ear is bad is because the left ear is protected, turned away, and the, and the stock is there. So it's protected from the, the worst part of the blast. The right ear is really exposed to the muzzle. So, I lost my hearing in the right ear. At least some of the hearing. It was ignorance. I even thought because the, the, the wax would build up right away in my right hand. I was like, wow, I was thinking, well, is cool? How your your body protects itself?" <laughs> All that is your body being damaged. I was ignorant. They give you cash for not being able to hear in my right ear. Does it give me anything? Now, it can be definite. It doesn't change a thing. What Peter is doing, is he's not, if I may say this, most likely, this is the most likely statement, the spirits of work in Peter. And Peter, by the Spirit, is recognizing that that the spirits of work So Peter says this interesting turn of phrase. He says, now, brothers, verse 17, know that you acted as a if you didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't know that he was sent by God. That he was loved by God and sent to be the Redeemer. And to rescue people. He didn't know that he was a Now, the implication behind it is you shouldn't have been. Right, there are thirty-nine books written about it. You shouldn't have been, but you were in ignorance. Why were they in ignorance? You know why? Because you things are spiritually discerned. That's why. They're spiritually discerned, and if the spirit's not at work, they're not going to discern it. They're not going to know. The result is they will remain ignorant. But in ignorance is still condemnation. But in the midst of this, it says, and Now, brothers, I want you to know that you acted in ignorance, past tense, as did your rulers, past tense. But, verse 18, the transition word, But, what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled, past tense, referencing Jesus Christ. Present tense. Repent, therefore, and turn back to your right now. The times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven much received until the time for restoring all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet, according Moses said, The Lord God will raise you up, raise up for you a prophet like me from us. You shall listen to him whatever he tells and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed. It. Stop there. You know what he's saying? He's saying the same thing false as later on. You were ignorant. It was a time of ignorance, but the time of ignorance has ended. It was past. The time of ignorance has ended. Peter has declared unequivocally now twice that Jesus is the absolute and complete fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament. The time of ignorance is over. Instead, this is a different time. This is a time of repentance. This is a time of turning. Turn, what? turn back. Repent, therefore, and turn back. Turn back. Therefore, turn back your sins. Turn back to what? Turn back from. Elsewhere, in the scriptures talk about rebellion. Here, he talks about ignorance. The idea is turn back from that, all the ignorance and rebellion, and turn to Jesus Christ. Turn back, Jesus Christ. And, and of course, the only way that's going to happen is by the greater region of scriptures and by the Holy Spirit. What Peter says, as he's saying, but repent, repent and turn, and guess what? You're not on this one? You're not. I over here. Here's the You're not this one? That you see here? You ain't seen nothing yet. That's what he's saying. This is cool. He's dancing, he's jumping, he's leaping, he's praising God. He's gonna still go back to that the implication, right? You could die. But repent from your ignorance and rebellion and to Jesus Christ. <clears> that your sins may slide out. Verse 20, at times of refreshing and calling. The presence of the Lord, unlike what would come otherwise, and that He may send the Christ appointed for you. What's the other alternative of the refreshing times of verse 20? Well, it's found in verse 23. Peter establishes the contract. Verse 23, Mm -hmm. and shall come. It shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be what? Now for the Jews, that would have to resonate. Because all you gotta do is think for a little bit as you hear in that statement, probably destroyed. You hear people in the history of Israel? you're like Naked and his family. How about Korah? The rebellion of Korah? And how about Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, that's the name of the two cities, it was gone. Sodom the and Gomorrah. There were many other examples that would pop, absolutely pop in the beauty of the earth, that they would destroy. But it's The first one says that you may send it to that are kind of refreshing them. your sins will be dealt with. And where are they going? They're going to pray. But what else takes place primarily in the temple? Sacrifices. Which, in the Old Testament teaching, merely covered their sin, Looking forward to the day the Messiah comes, Peter says, the Messiah has come, and he was the purple lamb." Now he says for the first time, what will happen with sins? Are they going to be covered? They're going to be raised from the No more completely erased, completely out, And then the refreshing time they come from the presence of the Lord. And then ultimately they descend send to Christ, he's not going to return, appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive, and be in heaven until the time for restoring all things, Oh God, so by the mouth of the whole prophet said, the Lord will raise you up like a prophet might be like from your brothers you shall listen to him and whatever he tells you that it shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people and all the prophets who have spoken Samuel and those who came after him, also proclaimed these days, what days he talked about the post Pentecost days Pentecost and beyond they all prophesied about this this is what they were looking forward to right here these days. You, therefore, it says in verse 25, you are the sons of the prophets and the cup co- of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, In your offspring shall so all the families of the earth be blessed. Stop! Did you hear what he just said? He said, These days are you know what the prophets were talking about. And then he gives a specific prophecy that in your offspring, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. He's not talking about people who are going to be destroyed in the previous verse. He's talking about the people who receive the blessing. They are people of faith. And the result of them having faith because it's given to them by God is that they are saved because they are people of faith. And the result is going to be what? All the people of the earth will therefore be through them, they're the conduit of blessing. Through them, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know who he's talking about? You're a person of faith. What he's talking about me. When, the, when we are saved people, we are in the time of blessing that he talks about earlier. Repent therefore and turn back, verse 19, And your sins may be out, that the times of refreshing or blessing may come from the presence of the Lord, which is really like a first fruit of what is yet to come, ultimate blessing, be with them. And then he may send the Christ ultimately, but if we if we just stop at, at the uh, time kind of refreshing they come, this first, first seeding of it, so to speak, we are being blessed, this time kind of refreshing, we are being blessed so that we will be a blessing. The whole point of it. The whole point of arguing in the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, is the reason why we are saved is to be a blessing. The reason why we are receiving a blessing is to be a blessing. And he says here that through these people, who? The people who are not the ones being destroyed, but the ones who are being blessed, who receive the time of refreshing, because of the Spirit at work in us, will therefore be a conduit of blessing to all the families of the earth. And we can't the point. That blessing is not being nice to other people. That blessing is not merely caring for the poor. Here, let me give you some alms. That blessing to all the families of the earth is a blessing of, I'm receiving the truth, the gospel, I have and am receiving the truth of the gospel, and therefore the truth of the gospel is flowing through me. It is being proclaimed to all the families of the earth. You get that? This is nothing more than a restatement of the Great Commission. As you are... doing what? By giving alms to the Lord? No, by baptizing and teaching. And you've heard me say it before, I'll say it again, I don't think that passage is talking primarily, at least, if not, if not at all, about physical baptism. I think that passage is talking about spiritual baptism. Salvation. You're teaching them. It sounds like both of them are about what? Proclamation, isn't it? It's proclamation of the gospel, isn't it? It absolutely is. In all of its nuance, and all of its forms, and all of its its, its teachings, uh, and all the applications, and all the ramifications, preaching, proclaiming. And I want you to notice something in this text. This is not a command to your blessing. Is it? It is not a man. It's a declaration of reality. You will blessed. and in your offspring you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's a sadness. How could it not be? Think about it. How could it not be? I'm experiencing the first fruits of the of the uh, uh, time of refreshing. If I'm experiencing those first fruits of that, in light of the contrast with condemnation, ultimate the destruction, the hopelessness, if I'm receiving the, the times of refreshing instead, how could I do anything but proclaim the times of refreshing? There's no need for a command here what's going to happen is as I receive refreshing as I re- receive the work of the Spirit in my life, and the transformation, and the Spirit is in an ongoing way, continuing what he already began, what's going to happen? I'm going to be someone who is I'm like, to be a blessing, you know, all the families of is the earth. Not that all the families of them the earth are be saved, but there will be a significant movement of people being saved. A remnant, right, yes, but there will be a remnant. I know it. It's going to spread throughout the world. What's that? Verse twenty-six. God, having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first to bless you by turning every one of them from your wickedness, every one of you from your wickedness. Look at verse, verse one, chapter four. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them greatly anointed. Surprise, surprise, right? And so here we have our big contrast, don't we? big contrast is between who and who. Well, you have Peter, Peter, John, and the lame guy, right? In contrast to these leaders, right? They can't help but what? Proclaim. They can't help but leap for joy. They can't help but praise the Lord. They can't help but preach the gospel, including all the hopelessness. Well, i with the amazing hope. Contrasted absolutely with the priests, the captain, the temple, and Sadducees. You can't find them greatly in the way I love them and the They are absolutely with it. Absolutely Why? Because they're teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus. In Jesus, the resurrection. Now, of course, the Sadducees don't believe the resurrection. But the priests do. So I can understand why Sadducees are upset about resurrection. But the priests do believe the resurrection, and they're equally annoyed. Why? Because they're taught, because they're annoyed at Jesus. Not just generically preaching the resurrection, but the resurrection of Jesus. Verse three, and they arrested them. Arrested. The implication: I don't know if this is true, but the implication: they arrested all three of them. That'd be interesting if they arrested the, the lame guy too. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for an already evening. So this has been going on now for at least three hours. At least. Could have been longer than that. For many of those who had heard the word believed, the number of the men came to about, what? Five thousand. Doesn't count the women, children, but the number of men, five thousand. Now we got eight thousand, right? a day or a year before now these five thousand what um it, it could be either way it could be taken either way cool. yeah it could be added two thousand a total of five thousand or it could be um or three thousand um yeah, two thousand five thousand or it could be an additional five thousand it could be, it could actually as far as I know it's correct wrong count it could be right either way right. Um, yeah, a lot of people. Either way, I, I, my, my impression I was gonna be ready, for your direction. The point is, verse 4, many believed. Many heard, and many believed. it's tough to get to past the gospel, isn't it? You come in contact with Jesus, what? There's gonna be there's gonna something to happen. And you see it here, right? You see it. One person believes leaping, praising God. A bunch of people here, we don't know how many were actually in the temple to hear it, For five thousand or maybe two thousand, however you want to understand that. Thousands come to faith in Christ. You contrast it with those who don't. One was greatly annoying. Or one group was greatly annoyed. the others were. What well, you see in the picture here is those two categories, don't you? There's no third category, is there? You got those greatly enthralled and moved into proclaiming. And then you have greatly mm-hmm. Really big. Dog. See, we want to establish different categories in between on the scale, don't we? We want to say, yeah, yeah. I'm not annoyed. I'm not really annoyed when people preach the gospel. I can't say that I'm really enthralled with Jesus. When I look at my life, I can say it. But when I look at my life, it doesn't say enthralled. But, you know, it's kind of like, I struggle sometimes. I struggle with people. I struggle. We want to establish a category. Don't we? We want to, try to, we want to try to shoehorn ourselves in between the two. I really don't like this. I don't like this either. Now these people are clearly getting destroyed. But this is really a little bit too uncomfortable for me in my life right now. This is just really too uncomfortable for me. It's greatly enthralled. This costs a lot. This could cost me my life. This could cost me my job. This could cost me my future career plans. This could cost me a fill in the blank, all sorts of things. I'm going to establish another category. It doesn't do that. It's like, it, it, these are the categories. It's really silent about this middle world area. They're like, greatly annoyed, and you see this all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the New Testament. He used to turn to greatly annoyed, enthralled. So when people are annoyed, but greatly, not greatly, enthralled, that's when a lot of the gospel, a lot of the verses are written, and really cranking down on, on those who claim to be believers. Isn't it? Are they really crazy? Because you see, those who are greatly annoyed are not counterfeits. Are they? They're unbelievers and they're broadcasting. Those who are greatly enthralled, they're not counterfeits. Are they? The Spirit's are work in their life and it's evidencing itself. What is a counterfeit? But it's trying to look like something that they're not. The sure talk about a little more. An interesting perspective, a challenging perspective, which takes us back to Peter's statement. The call of the gospel is always, what was this? Probably great and amazing. It's a way to call early. And when repent believe, God to be your promise days of perfection. And that's transforming everything. And that's the spirit for everyone. What a promise. What a hopeful promise. Do you find yourself trying to shoot on yourself in between those two? The answer is not I got to try hard. The answer is turn from what's holding you back and turn to Jesus. The of the that they That's And he one year and he never Jesus says so clearly, don't talk. Because there's not. How could there not be? There's a the world of There's a serious cause. we there are serious causes, that we're really pretty radical about this thing that we desperately need your spirit to work in our lives because we so, so often want like to shoot one of ourselves right here. So, Lord, pray you will work in our hearts and take this. We draw us close and flame our hearts with you i let you see the you like call up you are clearly going to so There is a kind of you Please stand and join us.